0: Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details.
1: Let Safeway help you unleash your globe with your favorite personal care products. Right now with Safeway, get great deals on all your favorite personal care products, like Head & Shoulders Base Shampoo, Pressed 3D Whitening Toothpaste, Listerine Antiseptic Mouthwash, Sensodyne Sensitivity Fresh Toothpaste, Degree Women Antiperspirant Deodorant, or Soft Soap Liquid Hand Soap. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local Safeway store for more deals and specific details.
0: There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Which Kelly are you? Edward. People call me Ned. I photograph
1: what my conscience asks me to. Ned, they want to have him in the movie! Mad Max 2 It's my kind of movie. Shut up! shut up your friend can't come back so oh, he's disabled i'm this carer you're blind he's an equal opportunity employer the kids who are sick
0: cannot do the hip-hop anymore g'day and welcome to the curb my name's andrew pierce and this is the podcast that looks at culture unity reviews and banter this podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of perth region and i pay respects to their elders both past present and emerging On this particular episode, I catch up with another one of the filmmakers who is having a film screening at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, which is taking place online at mdff.org.au. And that will be kicking off very, very soon it's very exciting and there's a lot of excellent films that are going to be screening on there you can head on over from 30th of june through to the 15th of july and pick up uh, passes to watch films eight dollars for one stream 35 dollars for five 64 for 10 and 100 for the entire festival Look, if I had uh, the $100 spare, I would be dropping that on the festival right now because there's a lot of excellent films in this particular film festival. And one of those films is Leaving Allen Street, which is just an absolutely joyous, wonderful film about a group of residents uh, who are moving from their long-term care facility And they're being moved into new facilities. And these are residents who have intellectual disabilities. And this is just a really wonderful, beautiful documentary about who they are as people, what they want in their life, what goals they have, what dreams they have. And most importantly, how they live their day-to-day life and how moving from an older facility into a new facility will help them open up the opportunities and abilities they have in their own lives, have a bit more freedom in their own lives and not be living such regimented lives. Uh, I found this just purely inspirational and just wonderfully joyous and absolutely lovely to experience and to, to watch. Everybody in this film is a wonderful character. And talking to Katrina Channels, who is one of the filmmakers on this particular film, about it was even more wonderful. She works with a company called We Are Yarn, And that website is weareyarn.com.au. I highly recommend heading over there and finding out a bit more information. We do talk about that in the interview as well. Uh, But if you want to head over there and have a look at what they do, there is some fantastic stuff there and some really beautiful photos as well of the the occupants in this particular film. But yeah. I love this. I think it's great. Uh, I'm going to be writing a list of the five films that you need to watch at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, and this is one of them. I cannot recommend it even more. Let's listen to the trailer and be back with the interview.
1: To live within these walls for as long as they have, it would be nice for them to get out. There's 29 people that will be moving out, and everyone has an intellectual disability. What we're doing is closing an institution. I'm the only not I be your house. Kathy and I to get married to one another. Because we got the funding from the government, we were able to build new homes in the community.
0: I'll be glad you will not moving, uh, but me and Long have been here for uh, tw- 25 years. They're and... moving
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few more tradies around than what we probably would hoped for, which is going uh, to put the pressure on a little bit.
0: Documentary, Leaving Allen Street, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a wonderful, beautiful film and one that I uh, am really kind of touched to have been fortunate enough to have been able to watch. Uh, How did this particular film come about and where did the inspiration to tell this story come from?
1: Um, Well, actually, my company, We Are Yarn, we were um, brought on to do a promotional video for the Oakley Centre because we had worked in disability before and um, I think they had seen some other work that we had produced and were really kind of, I think, sort of, they, they liked the way that we told the story of people with disability with respect and integrity and... Um, you know, them being the agency of their own story. So they brought us in to document the redevelopment of the the institution. But, yeah, it was meant to be just like a five-minute story. And once we got in there, we realized it was a much bigger story. And, yeah, I think when we first signed up, um, we were looking at five minutes, and then every time we showed up to film with the residents, like 10 other stories would pop up. And then, yeah, once we kind of got digging, we realised that there were 30 individuals that were leaving this really old, run-down institution um, and moving into their own brand-new houses in the community and that there was a much bigger story there. So, yeah, it kind
0: of just happened naturally, really. And it's so, I mean, that, that's that's how it feels. It feels very natural and, and very um, kind of open and matter-of-fact in a way. Uh, yet, for me at least, living in WA, uh, it's easy to forget that these kinds of stories are they, they're happening all around us. And, and I think that's one of the important things about this film is that, you know, we're talking about people who living in an institution with uh, intellectual disabilities and so often we just forget that those buildings and those people are there and it's easy for us to forget that because we live our day-to-day lives but this story reminds us of their stories and how important they are. Um, for you, what surprised you as you're filming and, and telling their stories and, and getting to know these residents who are full of such uh brightness and and their characters are just so expressive and enjoyable to spend time with their their smiles are really warm and wonderful um but yeah what what surprised you and what did you learn about them uh and their stories as you were filming?
1: yeah, I think all of that is really accurate we can't, i went in and I remember the first time um meeting people and actually it was quite you know confronting and I think. Um I even went home and <laughs> had a little cry because you know i'd met um, yeah i 'd met a, a resident who was my age who had been institutionalized her whole life and um, yeah, it was just very affecting and I think it 's more about the fact that these people aren 't visible um, in the community, and so it was more. Um a problem about yeah it 's more about making them part of our society and making them visible well
0: well that's it i mean i think I think that's part of the the story about you know them being moving into the community, and there's as they start to move into their homes there's some beautiful moments of the neighbors uh you know their new neighbors waving and interacting with them and and I think that's the thing is that
1: yeah exactly and I think we yeah, are what I was yeah so what I was going to say is that it, um they you know we take those small privileges for granted um you know people living in in the community uh we really do take for granted the fact that we can just go to the shop and buy our groceries and go to the movies or you know join a club those are things that have been denied to them for a very long time and I think that was what was really confronting to me is that they had been hidden away from the world for so long and and why what you know what was the um you know I guess like what was the philosophy around dealing with disabled people in the past and how is that changing and I think Um, That was really fascinating and and sort of it's changed quite quickly because, you know, um, we had the Q um, Disability Institution closed not long ago um, and they had, you know, when they first established they had a ward called the Idiot Ward and, you know, they just were treated, treated terribly up until... Um, yeah, recent times. So I think it's more just about making those stories and and their their lives visible and part of part of our lives as well. I think is is a big thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's one of the things which um, certainly from my perspective, uh, listening to the senator Jordan, uh, uh, who's in a uh, WA senator uh, Jordan, who is a disabled. Uh, person and he, he talking about the job seeker and job keeper and all this kind of stuff and how it's actually actively excluded uh people living with disabilities and things like that and i couldn't help but think of the residents here and thinking of the people who work alongside them and how they're so continually just kind of forgotten as part of society and yet the moving of them out into these new buildings these beautiful new buildings that are built to give themselves agency, to give them the access to do what they want to do and be able to get up and make a cup of coffee and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I found that really, um, really powerful to see that kind of story taking place. But then on the flip side as well, you know, there are things that we so routinely take for granted, like having a relationship and, you know, there are some beautiful characters in here who have, um, have wonderful relationships and, and like we able-bodied people can take that for granted. And that's what I love about this is we get to see, you know, people with intellectual disabilities living a, a full warm life. Uh, and you know, I, I feel it's a little bit reductive to call them characters, but they are so, you know, larger than life in a lot of ways. Um, I'm curious for you what the, the kind of, how did you approach filming the the relationships and and discussing with the residents how you're going to film them and and show them on film? Mm,
1: yeah, I think they'd be very proud to call themselves characters. <laughs> um, they know <laughs> they know that they yeah are larger than life, um, and I think for them. <laughs> They, you know, they are full, uh, full of life, and they have had a lot of love and support in their lives, um, and they're very confident people. So it's sort of more about us coming to them, um, and I think in terms of the characters, they were just incredible. Incredible people and and the more that you hung out with them, the more that um, you could see they had they had big ideas and they they had um, feelings and spirituality and um, emotions and, and all of that stuff it 's just that they express it differently, so I guess in terms of the filming, we just adjusted to suit them, and we knew that. Um, a sit-down interview would be unnatural or just, um, you know, not something they would necessarily, um, you know, fall into easily. And so we just adjusted our filming style to suit their way of communicating, which meant we did a lot of the interviews on the fly. um, And they, you know, like Greg Brown, who has this, incredible laugh and he's he's big (laughs) and he's larger than life and funny and he loves having a joke and um, you know he he loves having friendships with people as well. Um, He would always say, oh the ladies are here, the ladies are here and we rock up with our camera and you know like we became really good friends with them Um, and he would just sum up, you know, once you follow people for long enough and you know when they're happy, when they're sad, when when they're ready to express something. You know, he would often sum up a feeling with a gesture or, you know, one or two words, something that, you know, in a way that was more profound than if we sat down and did a long, drawn-out interview, you know. So I think it was just about adapting to... The way that they worked, and and it did mean a lot. It did mean a lot of bob um, dock and following, um, a lot of yeah, pretty tiring handheld camera work. But it, yeah, it was definitely worth it. I think it was the way to give them their agency to tell their own story.
0: Mm, yeah, and I mean their their stories are just wonderful, and. I really like the the scenes later on in the film where they're all dancing and and having the social event and things like that. It's just a, it's wonderful. And, you know, getting to experience, uh, you know, the, the joy of being able to move. And that was the thing which, again, you know, there's so many things that we take for granted, like being able to just go out and have a dance. And then as one of the residents comments, you know, they're probably, I, I don't know how old they were, but I would assume in their forties or fifties. And they were talking about, this is the first time they've ever moved house. And it's like the, the understanding and the, the realization that this has been their home for their entire life is um it's pretty heavy to, to re- realize. And as you were saying, there was a resident who, you know, is around the same age as you. And I think that we forget that you know institutionalization still exists in australia um so thank you very much for bringing this story to life and and to uh showing the reality of uh disability people living with disabilities in australia at the moment um i want to talk about we are Yarn as well and uh talk about the 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 mentality behind we are Yarn. what what is this and how did it start
1: Sure. Well, we started out my uh, my um the producer I work with Bridget O'Shea and myself. We were just friends freelancing, and we decided that we'd start our own company. And yeah, it's it started very small with the idea to tell those hidden stories behind organisations like. Oakley Centre who have a really great philosophy and great staff um, but need sort of promotional videos and from there we have grown quite a bit. So now we do like virtual reality, narrative, film, documentaries um, but always with I guess social justice issues a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, we we often work with not-for-profits or communities that need their stories told in a sensitive way, um, and I think that's part of what we do is really listen and um, try to tell 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 people's stories in the way that they want it told, not in not in the way that we necessarily want. I'm told. So yeah, we just we were two friends started out, and now we've got two staff members, and we work with a lot of um, freelance contractors. So yeah, we we hope uh, you know COVID has has been an interesting time for us, but we hope to keep creating, and we're really excited that this film has gotten into Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. And also, we have our virtual reality um, exhibition at Melbourne Museum and Sydney Carriage Works next year. So excited about that! So yeah, just just looking towards post COVID.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can understand. <laughs> it's it would have been a very challenging time, especially for you know your your work is so intimately focused on the community and. Uh, when you're unable to engage with that, that's got to be difficult and, and certainly trying to tell these stories is difficult, but uh, focusing on a post COVID world is, is got to be positive. So um, can you talk about the virtual reality stuff? How do you go about filming for virtual reality?
1: Well, luckily we have, we finished the actual filming aspect um, last year. Uh, Pre-COVID, so that was yeah really beautiful experience where we teamed up, collaborated with the UN Nation along the New South Wales coast, um, and together we created eight different stories that um, are very unique. Um, you know, different different stories. One about stolen generation. One about um, creation stories, about um, cultural burning. Yeah, so we have an amazing slate of films and now we're just working to put them all together into like a 3D environment so that people can put the headset on, um, VR headset and navigate their way through the story. So that's good. I think when you can work um, with computer-generated uh, in post-production will be fine in COVID, <laughs> there's lots to do there, but yeah, it is, <laughs> it is very hard to, at the moment, very limiting in terms of going out and filming with people, yeah, which I really miss. I think that connection of having those intimate moments and um, capturing stories of people, it, it's it's very different to do that online and you know, we're doing some interviews over zoom and things like that, but we'll be really excited when we can actually get back out on location again.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask, I mean, how has that been in the sense that doing an interview over zoom, how do you manage that? And uh, hopefully your internet is good enough. I, I have the M P N, and that sometimes that still sometimes is a bit like well, it's a bit of a tin can at times. Um, but how is that that interaction via uh, the internet doing interviews and things like that? Like that's how I do most of my interviews. So it seems, uh, you know, no issues. But I'm also just doing it for a website, for a podcast and, and things like that. I'm not doing it for a movie or for, a, you know, a, a short film or something like that. So how do you ensure that the quality is good mm. enough? Uh,
1: it's very hard to ensure that quality is good enough i guess it's about the story at the end of the day and the quality kind of comes second um, so as long as we can get good interviews with people i think there's still a lot of value in being able to do those interviews you know create podcasts and that's where everyone is at the moment everyone's online and they're willing to watch things that are sort of of lesser quality because everybody knows the situation we're in. I think the thing for me is just um, being able to tell new stories and it's very hard because the internet is really... um, it's competitive to get people to watch watch your stories at the moment because there's so much content so I think it's more about finding those stories and, and how do you find them from home you know when people are probably being maybe a little bit less productive at the moment or yeah I think that's more the challenge is, is finding those stories because you can't have the normal interactions that you would but uh, I, I mean I you know it does um, we started a project called um, Isolation Conversations where we're interviewing artists from across Australia about their work. So that's great because artists can create content in isolation. That most of them are, are loving it. <laughs> but yeah, I think <laughs> anyone who has a team team they have to work with is struggling a little bit.
0: Yeah, oh definitely. I mean, my my main day job is I work for the Department of Health and uh for me it's been a little bit different because not much has changed. I've still had to go into work and so over the past few months I've I've been living a regular life and and Albeit with less traffic on the roads, which has been nice, but it's also like every time I drive past all these houses and, and see all these parked cars in the driveways, I, I can't help but think of the amount of people just kind of going a little bit stir crazy inside, wishing they were back in work or wishing they were able to um, socialize and organize events and things like that for their businesses. And uh, it's great to hear that you know, you're doing something like that, interviewing artists and seeing how they're creating in this time of isolation that's that's really inspiring and nice to see because i think in a post-covid world we'll need more stories like that um i don't know what the post-covid world's going to look like but um hopefully it's brighter (laughs) with stories like that Hopefully. hopefully it's yeah yeah
1: yeah we are social creatures, you know. It's, yeah, I think we we always find ways to connect. Um, and I think as COVID sort of um, progresses or, you know, this, this time in isolation, we've kind of worked out how to connect online in different ways, which has been really good. But, um, yeah, I feel sorry for musicians. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of artists are just really having a crap time like they've lost all their income and you know a lot of those events that they had organized you know some artists had been working towards events or exhibitions and putting on work that had taken them four years to create for this one event you know and that has been cancelled so I think yeah I think it's also just yeah a mental health Thing as well to keep to keep not necessarily being productive but to keep creating and keep connecting in ways that you can and it doesn't necessarily have to be a big project but just to keep yourself busy and <laughs> yeah, connecting
0: yeah yeah well that's it I mean certainly at this time of year I'd be like the Sydney Film Festival would be running and I would be preparing for the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival and Revelation Film Festival and then later on the year Melbourne Film Festival as well. And so all of these film festivals in person would be running and and I would be doing, and fortunately enough I'm doing interviews just like this one uh, because a lot of them have moved online. But I've noticed that the film festivals that I've seen online, I, I just miss that kind of connection, being able to go and sit in the cinema with people and, and talk about them afterwards. And it's still lovely to be able to jump online and say, Hey, how good was this? But that physical connection is so important. And uh, especially for artists as well, as you're saying, you know, people have been working years for different events and can only hope that in a post COVID world, they can pick those events up and, and, you know, revive them in some ways um do you have from your side and a, a creative side and, and filmmaking side do you have any suggestions for people as to how best to support uh people like yourself who are making films and and sharing stories and telling stories
1: i think a lot of artists are moving online so i think it's just about supporting those artists you know where where they can get their work out but. Um, I would definitely support a lot of um, Indigenous and black and brown uh, musicians. I think they're really struggling um, because, you know, you can't have a, have a live event at all. Um, but in terms of, there, there are a lot of film festivals happening and I know that I'm online supporting my friends as well. So I think it's just about keeping connected with um, the work that is out there and supporting film festivals, supporting any live online events that you can, I think is just, yeah, it's crucial because when we come out of this, you know, everyone will be looking to those artists for those cultural events and um, looking to get out, but you know, if those artists have completely fallen through the cracks during this time and haven't been supported, you know, we're going to be you're going to be wondering where they are. Um, and I think, yeah, just remember that you know, once once this is over, artists will be in high demand, and yeah, let's not leave them behind. Support by donating or, yeah, whatever. Need just find things. I know it's just hard because there is so much out there, you know. I think it's just making time for things, making time for those art events that are important to you and not just watching Netflix or not just, you know, going on the stand. And I know that I'm personally, like, sick of... (laughs) A lot of American shows. So I think it's just about supporting those local Australian artists and films that are out at the moment, and remembering that yeah, it it is pretty disappointing. And, oh, it's just it's a very different experience for filmmakers. You know, you, you want to be a part of that audience and and feel the the film together and and go on that ride together. So yeah, it it is very different.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's it. Is that there needs to be like American films and TV shows? They're they're good. uh, Don't get me wrong, but uh, they'll always be around. And at the moment, there is a genuine threat to Australian TV and Australian films. And uh, I think that needs to. There needs to be a lot more support. from from the the film viewing and TV viewing audiences for for films out there, uh, and and I think that that's really important. And coming back to Leaving Allen Street, I think that this is a again, it's a wonderful documentary that really uh, helps lift you up in a time where we need to be lifted up and reminded of people who maybe aren't as fortunate uh, in in you know in the life well not maybe they they aren't as fortunate as many of us in life and uh and i think that's really important to have that kind of story told so you know bringing it back to leaving allen street thank you again for that i think it's a beautiful beautiful film and i am going to watch it again through the the festival um and put some money behind the festival that way as well um because i think that it's just a wonderful film and and a lot of the documentaries I have been watching for the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival have had that uplifting spirit in them. And I'm, you know, touched to be able to experience those kinds of films because it's what we need right now. Um, as we wrap up this discussion, yeah, um, as we as we wrap up this discussion, is there anything that you want to uh, mention that we haven't discussed about Leaving Allen Street that people might be interested to know or, or should know prior to going into it?
1: I think people will be surprised by Melbourne's history of institutionalising people, um, especially with disabilities, but people, you know, with mental health issues as well. You know, we have a quite a dark history of institutionalising people. And I think that also... It wasn't that long ago, so I think that, you know, I think it's just important to see these stories but then also see how far we've come and we've still got a ways to go. But I think this story is about hope. And as you said, it's about complex, fun, clever, amazing characters who who want to have a relationship with, you know, who want to get married, who want to be a part of the community, they want to go to the pub or, you know, want to play group sports or whatever it may be, you know, they want to go to the disco and, and hook up or, you know, like they, they want to make new friends. Like, it's just like the rest of us. So I think um, I... I think that there's a there's a lot in this story you know there's a lot to learn and a lot that we can take from how we treat people and how we treat each other
0: yeah yeah i agree i i think it's beautiful and it's wonderful and i through this documentary i've grown i've come to know about your work and and uh i'm certainly very keen to keep an eye on this and and see what else you continue to push out especially with the vr stuff i'm excited to to see that next year as well and see where you grow as uh, as a company and as directors and producers and telling these kinds of stories, that that really fascinates me. So uh, your journey as I'll a filmmaker Andrew. is, yeah, um, I'm really excited because I, I think these stories are really important. And, you know, your passion, uh, the, from what I can hear, your passion to tell these stories is um you know, it's, it's, it's like a burning fire. You, you can't put it out. It's You're just really excited to tell these stories and, and shine a light on these stories. So, yeah, thank you very much for
1: uh, yeah, for doing that. Thank it, you. It
0: means a lot. Yeah. Because without yeah. this, I wouldn't have known about this history at all. <laughs> I wouldn't have known about it. Yeah,
1: I know. I think that's how I felt too, just that nobody knows. So I think it was one of those stories that, you know, you just have to tell. But I think in this time, you know, this this age that we're living through, we just have to come together and, you know, respect each other more and listen to people's voices who don't normally get the mic. And I think we need to hear from marginalized people so, so that we can, you know, grow from this and... Yeah,
0: be, you know, better on the other side. There we are, Katrina Channels talking about her film, Leaving Allen Street, which is currently going to be screening online via the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, mdff.org.au, from the 30th of June, which is only days away, all the way through to the 15th of July. I highly recommend heading over there and 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 picking up a ticket to watch this particular film uh, there are limited amount of tickets available so you know don't dilly dally around or anything like that if there is a film that you are interested in watching pick up tickets sooner rather than, the, than later i know that there is uh, hope that the melbourne documentary film festival will be coming back in person later on the year and i believe that this film will be screening that if that does occur uh, but in the meantime jump online watch it watch it with your whole entire family this is just a wonderful documentary an absolute delight to watch and i think that you'll be enriched uh, with some beautiful characters and beautiful stories in this wonderful film and you know i i just think it's a real treat and we need those kinds of films in our lives Uh, and yeah talking to katrina reminded me of the importance of, of storytellers like her uncovering these kinds of stories and bringing them to life and I really appreciate that a lot uh, because that's what I love about the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival as you'll hear when I do these interviews and I put them up online uh, I wish I could interview every single filmmaker who has a film that's going to be screening at the festival but I do so because I love documentaries completely and I love their ability in being able to tell stories that I had no idea existed and enriching my life with stories that make me a better person and make me see the world in different ways and leaving Alan Street is one such film. And that's really lovely. It's great to have those kinds of films. If you've liked this interview then please head on over to the website thecurb.com.au and check out the other interviews I've been doing and the articles and reviews and pieces that are on there about Melbourne Documentary Film Festival and other films as well certainly as cinemas in western australia and the rest of australia start to open back up there's going to be some more written reviews about films heading to the cinemas uh, review of the white a white white day uh, booksellers and love sarah's coming up their films that are going to be screened at lunar palace in perth uh, and i believe probably over east as well there's a lot that's going on uh, make sure to head over to facebook and twitter as well follow us over there it means a lot. And look, uh, at this point in time, if you have a dollar to spare, then as little as a dollar a month over on patreon.com forward slash thecurveau helps the website stay active and alive. Um, we're going to be hitting our second anniversary of the Curve on the 1st of July, so it's really exciting. And uh, really uh, would love to you to head along and celebrate and help us out keeping this particular website independent. would be fantastic. Um, in the meantime... Stay safe, look after each other, uh, social distance, um, be kind to one another and uh, care for everybody else that you can and your friends and family. Love you all, stay safe, I'll see you in the next one.